Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, today's date is Monday, August the 26th, 2019. Uh, today we're reading from the big book, page 50, the second paragraph that starts in our personal stories. Uh, today's readers are uh, Kathy S. for the steps, Anita B. for the traditions, Allison L., Cindy D., and Carmela G. for the big book. The newcomer greeters, Renee A., and the host is Leslie M. Um, okay, uh, the reference number for yesterday's special edition is 13,318, 13318. Um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience and strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members and we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement or ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Kathy S. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Kathy S. Um, thank you, Craig, for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to ask Anita B. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Okay, you need to be here. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the Uh-oh, I think we lost you, Anita. I'm sorry. Where are we at? Step seven? Yeah. Seven. Every AA group ought to be fully uh, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight OA should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thanks, Anita. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 50, the second paragraph that starts in our personal stories. I'm now going to ask Allison L. to kick us off. Allison? Hi, Craig. Thank you. This is Allison L. In our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. Well, this is Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Dayton, Ohio. Set my time. <clears throat> so we've got the stories in this book. We've got the voices on our line here on a vision for you, a healthy OA meeting, and um, they're all sharing that they have recovered. Um, through entire abstinence, working the 12 steps, 
And um, we can all agree, those of us that have had this experience, that this drastic change was not brought about by ourselves. And what the stories share is that it's been a power greater than ourselves. And, and we all have different ideas, conceptions, stories about that power. Um, but it's telling me here, I, do, I don't need to worry about that for our purpose. So what's our purpose here? Well, right here, our purpose is we're studying step two. Do I believe enough in a power greater than myself based on what everybody's telling me that's happened for them, that there is a power that I'm willing enough to work through the rest of the steps while not picking up or using any substance or behavior to try and control and manage on my own, but to, to feel the pain of entire abstinence while working through the steps as outlined. Um, and not only do I, I hear the voices on this line and trust in the voices that tell me they've recovered through this power, um, but I've, I've got to meet some of them um, at the convention and um, by driving around and, and meeting up with them um, in different parts of the country. And um, I've seen the light in their eyes um, you know, become friends with them, and, and they're, you know, we continue to live guided by this power that's greater than us, um, and, and we still don't have the same identical conceptions, um, but we're all following the principles and directions for living that are outlined in the step work. Uh, we raise our kids, we work jobs, we go to school, we're re rebuilding relationships, and, and all of this is happening through a power, capital P, um, that we've stopped trying to figure out, name, identify, um, pin down. Um, it's just, it's bigger than that. Um, so it doesn't matter. Um, this is where the spirituality comes in for me. It's not um, the religion that I was used to that told me um, what I needed to believe and then I'd be okay. This is about spirituality. It's about finding that power my own way through working the steps and letting that power come to me instead of trying to think about it so much that it becomes real. I do the work instead. Um, and then I work the steps continuously so that the relationship with that power grows and continues to be the guiding force in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Great. Thank you, Allison. All right. Be gentle with me now. Who else would like to share on these, uh, on this paragraph? Lisa Nancy K. Kathy K. Ida. All right, wait a minute. I got Lisa. I have, I think I heard a Nancy. No, uh, Ida I, I, A. No, Nancy Ida. too. Oh. Uh -huh. And then there was a Kathy. Yes, Kathy K. Kathy K. Remember Camilla now, if you. All right, Camilla. If you've shared in the last couple of days, we ask you to hold back and let people that haven't. Sure, I forgot to say that. Um, all right, how about one more? We'll round out with six. Shannon from North Carolina. There we go, Shannon. All right, I have uh, Lisa B., Nancy, Ida, Kathy, Carmela, and Shannon. Uh, Lisa, go ahead, take us off. Lisa with an E. Yes, that's right, Lisa with an E. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, everyone, for your service. Thank you, everyone that's here and that's not here. <laughs> um, I wanted to share my experience. Um, there's an attitude I was taught that I, I need to take 
and the big book, you know, and reading the forwards, it teaches me that. And in studying this big book with my guide, you know, we read that Bill encourages us um, that when we're reading the personal stories to take the attitude of, has that happened to me? And then he says, you know, even more important to ask, have I felt that way too? So I'm going from my head to my heart. But then he says, most important, do I believe that this can happen to me too? And what is this thing that's happened, this revolutionary change, this personality change, which is another word for spiritual awakening, this becoming awakened, you know? And that helped me to hear that, that the co-founder, the writer of this book, Bill Wilson, really encourages me to take that attitude in reading the personal stories. And that would go also for listening to the variety of voices on the website, you know, of our special editions and listening to people on this line. The other thing I love in this reading is that um, I don't have to worry. It's as experience has taught us that these are matters about which for our purpose we need not be worried. I don't have to try and figure out how it's going to happen. Will it happen? I need to remember another thing that this book tells me is that this is a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The illness, like another fellow always shares, you know, wants me to keep kicking the can down the street another day. Like, why bother? It's too hard. It's too difficult. My case is different. My case is more extreme. Or my case is even too subtle. It's too subtle, which was a problem that I had, the subtlety of it. Um, But doing the work, like was shared, in abstinence, being sober, the experience starts to happen inside me. I don't have to worry, you know, but I need to have an open mind and I need to be willing to want this to happen. I love reading the stories. I share often that when I can't sleep at night, I will ask my higher power to show me a story in the big book to read and I will read it and I go to sleep with a smile because I'm feeling one with my tribe. You know, you guys are my tribe. My fellows in my AA meetings are my tribe. I love the sense of unity. We have a common problem and a common solution. I don't need to try and remake it. It's been working for decades and decades and decades for thousands of people. It can work for me if I follow it precisely. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, next we have Nancy, and she'll be followed by Ida. Nancy? Hi, Nancy P. calling from Newton, Massachusetts. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, I love this um, this paragraph because it's so. This book is so gentle. I mean, I was convinced that this wasn't going to work for me. Convinced, convinced. Knowledge that was bone deep. I knew it wasn't going to work for me, and and I knew it because I had had forty seven years in this program where it didn't work, and. Um, when I surrendered, I'm the one trick pony that always talks about surrender. And when I finally surrendered, it began to, I began to see that it could work for me. And, um, you know, this book is so gentle. It says we can, we can do it, pick what works for us, pick our own idea. I mean, I tried to jam my square peg into a round hole for all those years. I tried to do what other people did and, and adopt the higher power that other people had chosen for themselves. And it didn't work because it wasn't something that could work for me. And when I, you know, when I had surrendered and really knew that I had to do what the book said to get better, I had to, I had to um, tear apart every single thing that I thought that I knew, read, remembered, or perceived about a higher power and 
pick my own, literally, from scratch, from nothing. And, um, and so I did that. And so now I have a higher power that works for me that might probably wouldn't work for other people. All I know is, you know, the data show me that I'm recovered. So it must be working for me. And, um, you know, I had exactly experience taught me that these matters, for my own purpose, I didn't have to be worried. I had to settle these um, questions for myself. And that's exactly what I did. Um, to um, to great advantage, and with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Nancy. Next up, we have Ida, <clears throat> Ida, and she'll be followed by Kathy Kay. Ida. Good morning, everyone. Ida A here, grateful compulsive overeater in Northern British Columbia. Craig, thanks so much for starting this off, and everybody, thanks for being here so I can have a meeting. I I didn't get this in the beginning. As a matter of fact, we agnostics has been transformative in my life to have a, a relationship with a loving God, just transformative. I would say for over 50 years, I have had irrational thoughts and beliefs about who the creator was. Really, since I was a little girl, I had these faulty patterns of thinking about God as a, my, well, my filter was a mean, cruel, vindictive higher power. And, and that's been a distortion of reality, as has been my belief that there was only one path to God, one narrow path to God. And so I could not believe in the past what the big book said. But today, after being drilled into me and having time to reflect of how my distorted thinking really was, was off, today I'd say, program, the big book, a visionary for you program. Um, I have newer beliefs now that I can lean into. And these new beliefs have led to other roads, other roads to a power greater than myself. And today I know that any talk of God that doesn't bring comfort to me is a lie. I really believe that. Any talk of God that does not bring me comfort is a lie and it's a disease that today God's love, that the creator is particularly fond of Ida and all of you and is kind and compassionate and, and interested. And, and I really learned that it's imperative for me to inventory these self-defeating de behaviors and thinking errors because it really is a moral issue whether or not I love myself. And having a loving God is just beside that. And I'd missed that because my filter, I saw the world through, saw all of your shortcomings, all of my shortcomings and human defects, and I focused on that one damaged tree, and I missed the beauty of the forest. I just, I just missed it. So I never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing, and I did not know how judgmental I was, but woohoo, was I ever. I was inflexible to change. What a relief to learn. I have been wrong about this all along. Contempt prior to investigation. You bet. Standing in judgment. And uh, that's no longer where I live today. I never thought I could get out of that, but that's no longer where I live. The path to a loving, kind, funny, creative, intelligent power, it's extraordinarily wide, varied, and it makes no difference. It really makes no difference. But it is super interesting and fun and, and an amazing ride. So thank you all for the part you play in my recovery and have a blessed day. I pass. 
Okay, thanks, Ida. Next we have Kathy Kay, and she'll be followed by Carmela G. Kathy? Thank you, Craig, for your continuing service. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, Recovered in Boston, and um, I love this paragraph. Um, it reflects entirely what my experience has been over the years. I uh, have been in these rooms a long, long time, and I would say at least the first 10 years I had uh, a fair amount of contempt prior to investigation. And um, it was not until I started really listening to people share their own journeys to finding and building a relationship with their higher power that I heard things that I could try. And that's really what happened for me. I gradually developed some open-mindedness and willingness to try what my fellows said they did in order to uh, find a power greater than themselves. And for me, a lot of it was taking actions like um, prayer and meditation and pausing throughout my day um, to allow something else besides my own thinking and my own habits of mind to guide my behavior. And by opening up the possibilities and really becoming willing to listen to something other than what I already knew, but to intuitive thoughts that came to me as I um, opened up the space for spiritual energy to engulf me, that's what happens. That's how I understand it today. And, you know, um, I've been in, in the last six months, I've actually been reading the stories in the back of the book. I've been reading them with a fellow traveler, um, and I've been reading them myself and writing on them. And in each story, I ask, um, you know, how do I identify with this person and how did their experience with finding God, um, how does that relate to me? Are there things here that I haven't done that I can do to enhance my own relationship? And that's been remarkably helpful on a daily basis. So we are really fortunate that our ways of being in conversation with each other and meetings with each other sharing those personal stories and with that I pass thank you great thank you very much it seems like there may be somebody who's uh, unmuted uh, check your phone Carmela G you're next and that'll be followed by Shannon Carmela thank you so much Craig um this is Carmela G., a grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today from New York. Carmela, you may have gotten muted. Can you hear me now, Craig? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, this is Carmela G., Grateful Compulsive Overeater, Recovered in New York. Uh, 
And thank you so much, everyone, for your service and for being on the line. Um, this is this personal story. I always was a comparer, and that's what kept me out of program. When I would hear the stories, when I would hear how people related to their higher power, I thought, nothing like them. I don't belong there. It's not for me. But then the gift of being willing to continue to work this program and be desperate enough to do anything my sponsor said to do and work these through. In return, my higher power that I call God gave me my personal little spiritual experiences every day. And then when I set aside all of the things that I think I knew, oh, I don't need to hear their story. It's not. And then I said, what I learned from this person was a miracle. When I opened up and willing to hear another and how they connect with their higher power and the little beautiful spiritual experiences that they have every day. And that's what keeps me connected all over the country, all over the world. It's my connection with my fellows as I work this program every day. And thank you for allowing me to share. Okay, thank you, Carmela. <clears throat> Next up, we have Sh- uh, Shannon, and then we're going to take new names. Shannon, go ahead. Thank you. This is Shannon, a compulsive overeater from North Carolina. And I've been coming on, uh, I've been doing the vision stuff since about February. But um, when the first person was sharing about the personal experiences and everybody being different, that struck a chord in me because you know, maybe this is typical of our disease, but I feel like I just can't quite get it. And um, I get, I have like usually like 20 or 25 days of abstinence and then something gets slippery and I just can't believe that everybody is like measuring everything and weighing everything and not doing the sneaky little things that I tend to do. So The good news is I've had a lot of recovery since February. I mean, my body is completely changed. Um, My relationships are changing. I've made it through many of the steps, including 8, 9, 10, and 11. And, um, but when the first person was sharing, I realized that I really am still trying to do it myself. Like, I feel like Whenever things get slippy and I have to double down, I think I must be doing something wrong and I have to do something better. And I really don't understand really the bigger spiritual part yet. But um, anyway, so that's sort of a bit of a, um, you know, the hard part. But the good news is I have had a lot of change and um, even my worst day in the Slippery abstinence 
is way better than any day when I was binging and um, starving. So uh, I'm grateful to be here. I've just been on the, the phone for about a week, and it has been helping. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. And um, with that, I'll pass. Okay, Shannon, thank you. Keep coming back. All right. <clears throat> now we're ready to take some more names. Uh, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, uh, please. Uh, Vasa uh, O. Vasa O. Jason K. Jason K., our first man of the day. All right. Next. Rachel K. Rachel K. Donna G. Donna. Leslie W. G. Leslie W. How about we get one more? All right. Let's go ahead and, t- and get this started. Uh, Get the party started. Vasa, you're up. Go ahead. Thank you, Craig, for your service. I'm timing myself. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I love this paragraph. Uh, in our personal stories, you will find a whole wide variety in the way each. So that's what I did. I started identifying when I came to the programs. And uh, I remember when this big book was given to me and uh, because I heard about the solution and I could not wait to, to read the story. I, you know, I read the book, not all in one day, but I just had the desire to know what the solution was to my problem. And I remember reading from the, from the beginning to the end, you know, all the stories and I could identify with them, of course, when, you know, this is about, this, the stories were about alcoholics, and my sponsor at that time said, just cross alcohol and put food. But I had the gift of, of, the, of desperation, you know. I, was, I had been suffering with the food, which I didn't know was food addiction. I just loved to eat, and I tried to stop for so long, so many years to find a solution, and whatever I did, it just not didn't work. So that's when <clears throat> she suggested for me just to come and have an open mind <clears throat> because what I knew, it just wasn't working any longer. It was just killing me what I was doing. So again, I was just so desperate and willing and, and I had to put everything aside, you know, by myself, what I knew about God, what I knew about other people trying to help me with the food addiction they didn't know. They didn't know because they didn't have what I had. Or maybe they did. They were in denial. So I was just so ready and willing to surrender to a power greater than myself. And I had that fear. But I, I think I was just more afraid of dying than, than just to get on my knees and just to surrender and say, please, God, my higher power, I can't do this by myself. Help me. And that was like the beginning of my new life, you know, with a higher power, with programs. And uh, I just felt like I was just, I've been turned upside down. And doing, you know, 
you know, praying to my higher power to help me with giving up certain foods that were toxic to my bodies one day at a time, one meal at a time. I thought I could never live without that, without them for the rest of my life. I mean, people have heard me over and over, one day at a time, one meal at a time. And then I threw, once I had a good abstinence, then I threw myself, that's my time, to work the rest of the steps. And it's by the grace of God, my higher power, this is the only thing that has worked for me. And I love to hear the stories. I love to hear all your stories. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, Vasa, thank you. Jason K., you're up, and that will be followed by Rachel K. Jason? Good morning. Jason K., recovered compulsive eater and bulimic outside of Philadelphia. Um, thanks, Craig. It's good to hear, hear, um, hear your voice. You know, we come to this program because we're sharing in a common problem, and we're struggling, and we're um, stuck, and we can't control our eating, and we obsess about it, and, you know, that's part of what binds us together. But the book also says, uh, we are bound together in brotherly and harmonious action based upon our common solution. Uh, and that's the great news that this book has to share. We have a common solution. We have this unity. We have a program of action, uh, of action a guaranteed way out um, for a spiritual awakening. Uh, and and this, is, this is just a really awesome message. And what I hear uh, in this message is, as we're all turned in this direction, as we're all facing a solution, you know, people are going to approach us in different ways. Uh, so, so there's room for tolerance here. There's room for um, respecting different, um, different people coming from different places. You know, I was an atheist, then I became agnostic, then I started to believe. This is as I kind of came through my faith journey. Other people have believed their whole lives. Other people are coming from, you know, church backgrounds. Uh, they're approaching step two from a little bit of a different angle. But even though we're approaching it from different angles, we're all facing in the same direction. We're all working on this path, and that's what, where we're bound together with each other. Um, and, you know, our, our concept of a higher power, you know, as we're doing step two, maybe we're, we're getting rid of old ideas. Maybe we're um, taking on new ideas, and, and the book says it's just the start. We're open to uh, believing in a higher power. We... Um, it's just the beginning. We make the submission. We're willing to believe. And then steps three, four, four through nine, living in 10 and 11 and 12, give us an actual experience of that higher power, uh, mostly by getting ourselves out of the way, getting those character defects out of the way, getting unblocked. We find that that, that power, you know, our true nature, this higher power, this experience, um, a spiritual experience, that's something that was already there can come out. And people even have that in different ways, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. You know, Bill Wilson had a white light. Other people are more educational. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the power of all this um, is that we're, we're joined together, and that's what we can share in, and that's what we can celebrate in, and, um, you know, feel like we're a part of this thing. Uh, and the biggest question, you know, the morality in this, it's not, is it right or wrong? Like, if you look at somebody's conception of a higher power, I think we need to look at the question, is it working, you know, and, and, and is my higher power working? So I'm coming up on two years of abstinence, you know, is my higher power concept working? Is my relationship with my higher power, uh, is it deep and abiding and close and nourishing? Or is there room for growth, you know, or am I coming up lacking sometimes when I look at that faith? You know, I made a start, of course, when I did the steps way back, but now am I growing and understanding 
Am I deepening that power? Do I feel the nearness of my creator? Um, and, and sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. When I don't, I have to turn. I have to open. I have to surrender. I have to ask God, you know, to come into my life. And, and, I, and I have to sometimes challenge some old ideas and challenge my concept of a higher power so that I can grow. Um, I think that's what I wanted to say today. I hope that's helpful to somebody. Uh, I pass. Craig. Next, oh, there you next are. we have Rachel K, and she'll be followed by Donna G. Sorry, I was muted. Hi, this is Rachel K, compulsive overeater in Northern California. Um, I I really like this passage, and it was very apropos for me this morning. Uh, I woke up uh, to a text from a sponsee firing me as a sponsor. Um, it was very nice and very gracious. But um, I have to remember, and of course, you know, rejection hurts, even when uh, it's not personal rejection. Um, this person is struggling and, um, and obviously needs to find a different path or isn't ready for the message. And I have to remember, it took me 15 years in this program to finally get abstinent, and I finally got abstinent in 2000. And um, and then this this these meetings have just revitalized my program tremendously. Um, but it took me 15 years to finally be ready to put down the food and trust uh, a power greater than myself with my life. Uh, my conception, not anybody else's, my conception of God. And so I, I forget sometimes everybody has to find their own way. Um, and this way has worked for me. And I absolutely 100% believe that following the directions in the big book as, as they have been laid out and working the steps, that's the way that I find a, a power greater than myself that can solve my problem. Um, and this person needs to find their way. Um, and when they are ready, they'll they'll be ready. And it's it's not personal. And so I, I forget that sometimes. And uh, you know, the best thing that I can do is, you know, offer my experience, strength, and hope. Say, look, this is what worked for me. This is what happened to me. Your conception of a of a higher power can be different than mine. That's okay. That's fine. You know, pick your own. But um, um, this is this is what is working for me, and is what has worked for for thousands and thousands, millions of people. Um, uh, you know, I believe it is truly um, spiritual, a, a miracle of the 20th century. So anyway. Um, I, I'm so grateful for these meetings. Um, like I say, they've given a shot in the arm to this compulsive overeater um, who, by the grace of God, one day at a time doesn't have to, to torture myself with the food anymore. Uh, and I forgot to tell myself, so that's enough for me, and I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, you did great on time, <laughs> almost exactly. Thanks, Rachel. Next up, we have Donna G., followed by Leslie W. Donna? Hi, this is Donna G., uh, Grateful Recovered, uh, 
compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. And um, good morning and happy Monday to all my fellow visionaries. Um, I woke up this morning after a nice, leisurely, wonderful Sunday feeling like, ugh, (laughs) it's Monday and back to work and back to the grind. And um, I just just didn't wake up in the best mood and um, my alarm was going off and I I kept hitting the snooze a couple times and then um, I thought, well, just this is not a way to start the day. So let's let's go to gratitude. Let's just let's just go to gratitude. And um, started thinking of some things I was grateful for. Wasn't really changing any of my attitude through doing so. And I remembered what my sponsor um, has told me. Sometimes um, she she does in situations like that. And um, so she says, um, speak. God, her higher power is God, as um, I call mine God also, um, speak God, your servant is listening, and um, just trust that you, you know, that God will tell you what what, what um, God wants to tell you in that moment. So, I did so this morning, and um, very much related to the reading and um, this different concept of God, what happened immediately when I did that is I got two texts. I could hear them on my phone, two texts. One was from um, someone from my in-person meeting who um, this past week I was brave enough to reach out to. I've been a little hesitant. I want to connect with her, but I don't know. Something holds me back. Um, Maybe a little intimidation. I'm not sure. Um, But she texted me, um, and she texted me um, something that said, it's a, you're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I here I am beating myself up for procrastinating, getting up, um, procrastinating, starting the week. And I was like, wow, it's okay to, you know, it doesn't mean that I haven't made any progress and that, gee, everything stinks and, you know, and I, I just don't have the recovery I think I have. So that was awesome. And the other one was from a woman from um, A Vision for You um, who sent me her definition, I'm guessing it's her definition written out, of God, of her higher power, of her higher power, uh, who she calls her higher power. And uh, it was uh, just a page written out of her of her definition. And I read it and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. It's, it's, it's different from mine in some ways. Um, but I got thinking about it, and I thought, you know, the thing that I think is probably, and uh, you know, the same with anyone to higher power, although we're all so different and diverse, is that it is powerful. <laughs> she, she talks about power, and I thank you. And so, what power is there in um, a higher power who could answer? Um, my prayer this morning that I guess that that says it all that I, I got my answer in those two texts and um, it's the power um, that is the similar I think uh, thing and a power great enough that could restore me to sanity and and help me in this disease um, and with that I'll pass all right thank you Donna all right next up we have Leslie W then we'll take a few more names Leslie thanks Craig for your service I'm Leslie W., um, recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. 
And when I read this paragraph, it tells me that um, I need not worry about what other people believe or who who their higher power is or um, if they if they have one or don't and what that looks like. And, you know, I I remember when I first came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Gosh, I can't believe it's been almost 10 years. Um, But I, I remember hearing things like HP and you know, um, and, and, and I, I just, I had people, it's so funny because people talk about having issue with the word God. Why I had issue with HP. Um, I was just brought up to believe, you know, um, that a certain way. And for me, that was hard to hear. It almost felt sacrilegious. And so I, I had a hard time reconciling that in my head. And when I sat in those rooms hearing that, though, um, <clears throat> what occurred to me, what has, over, what has occurred to me over time is that my faith and my connection to God at that point was weak, completely weak and non-existent because I was using food as God. I was using people as God. I was using everything but HP. So, you know, um, and I didn't even realize it. Because I thought that if I went to church and if I sang in the choir, then that qualified me as being, um, as having faith. But having faith and being religious I, ha- I soon discovered are two separate things. And people would say to me, this is not a religious program. This is a spiritual one. And I literally, that made no sense to me in the beginning at all because I didn't see the difference. I couldn't see the difference between those two things. And today I realize that I need, I need not be threatened. I need not be threatened by someone else's concept of God because if my faith is strong and if my belief system is strong, it's not as if it's going to, it's not as if, you know, I'm going to lose it. And the true litmus test is being around those who do think differently than me, who do believe different things than me. Cause then my belief system is then challenged. And that's when I really find out what, what, what I'm made of. What is, what is it that I really believe? Who, who do I believe in? Um, do I believe in God or do I believe in myself? Do I believe in, in God or do I believe in food? That food will solve my problems. Do I trust in God or do I trust in other people and what they tell me to believe and what they tell me to do? And so that's my time. And with that, I pass. Thanks a lot, Craig. All right. Thank you, Leslie. All right. We have about um, nine minutes or so, maybe eight. So if I we can probably get it two or three in. Who's like Linda from Virginia. Ro- Rossam. Linda Loretta Rice. H. All right, Loretta. Linda we'll D. See if we Connecticut. Get, uh, all right. I'll put your name down, Linda, but I don't know if we'll even get to Loretta. All right, Linda, go ahead and take us away. This is Linda. Shall I go? Yes. Great. Good morning. I'm Linda, a compulsive overeater from Virginia. I... Oh, the spiritual journey in the 12-step program is uh, a journey of faith and trust, and um, I find it challenging sometimes, but I, I try to notice the red flags when my uh, 
when I start to grind my teeth is a big one. That was one of the earlier ones. I would go into a grocery store and have to buy my abstinent food, and I'd find myself halfway down an aisle for whatever reason. I might, I would be clenching my jaw, and I'm like, Linda, if you can, let's do this later. Um, and I would make the choice to um, leave, regroup, make a phone call. Do I do it perfectly? No. Do I have feelings in um, abstinence and sobriety? And yes. And those feelings have um, uh, effects on on the way I I um, my body cr- can cringe sometimes. And I in the past I didn't know what to do with that. I do know that my journey involves a lot of choices. Uh, what my schedule is. When I go on uh, leave town, that's a big one. I have a cooler that's in the back of my trunk, and that kept me abstinent a long time when I couldn't uh, figure out how to eat when I was traveling. Um, so I'm I'm grateful to understand choices that lead to that contribute to my ability to. I call it being the hole in the donut <laughs> that I do not have to eat my way out of. <laughs> and um, when I, I'm uh, spiritually fit and balanced, it's often a result of choices. I had a friend invite me to take a 10-hour uh, drive today to uh, accompany her in a family um, uh, funeral. And I had to say no because I'd just come back from helping my mother on another short trip and I could feel it. I could feel it building up. The, 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 sometimes there are too, I don't need to make too many choices, um, even though I have all these choices back, but I do realize that my choices have consequences and um, uh, that, that depends on schedule, location, uh, my my choice to plan and keep my house and environment in order so that my mind can remain clear and in order. So I, I just find those, uh, and I study this as a, as a scientist as well, the physiology of stress and anxiety. And the easy way out is to dive into the food and to get a, a just numb out and escape from the anxiety with food. I don't have to do that this morning. I don't have to do that today. And I can um, step in on this meeting and share my experience, strength, and hope. Thanks for letting me share, and God bless everyone today. I pass. Thanks, Linda. Thank you, Linda. All right. And remind everybody, we're sharing on page 50 on that second paragraph. Uh, so, Russ, go ahead. Morning, Craig. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Russ, I'm recovered recover compulsive overeater outside of Philly. Uh, when when I read this, I think of uh, about 12 years ago when my friend, who was a recovered crack addict, said, look, you know, you're having problems with food. You may want to seek a 12-step program. And I poo-pooed it, and I was intolerant. I was insensitive. I got hurt. I was defensive. And until I was battered and beat up and until I had to just – I had no other option. But I had no other option. Um, I came into this program and while develop, working the steps and just continue to work, work this program, you know, I'm reverting back to that seven-year-old kid that was on fire 
for God, that had a relationship with God prior to, you know, what, life happening, disease happening, and just not being able to manage life for those years, for about 35 years. So what I'm getting at is that I was, you know, I, I, I was judgmental and intolerant, you know, and it robbed me of years of peace, serenity, and a deep, intimate relationship with God. So, you know, I, I can't judge people. You know, my, my point is that, you know, I was judging my friend. And I can't judge others in the way they're getting to God. You know, what works for me works for me. And you know what? If I listen and keep my mouth shut, I may learn from someone else in the approach to having a deep, intimate relationship with God. So, you know, there's many different ways, you know, we're going to, we're going to get there. We're going to get to the creator. And how the hell can I argue with this way? My life in the past two, two and a half years, I, I made more progress just in being a person than I did in 40 years. So how can I argue about that and be intolerant and judgmental and come on, man, it's, it's something else. It just took me a long time to get there. So. Yeah, I, I have, have to be open and continue to work at being open and uh, shutting my mouth. So I'm going to do that now. <laughs> Y'all have a good day. Love you. All right, Russ. Thank you. Loretta, we have a couple of minutes. Good morning, fellow travelers. This is Loretta H. from North Carolina. I am a compulsive reader, anorexic grace with God's abstinence for today. And as I've shared, um, my abstinence is working the principles. I do have a food plan, but I, in order for me to be honest and accountable, I have to uh, text my food to people or to my sponsor. But my abstinence, that is not my abstinence. My abstinence is trying to be a better human being, the human being that God wants me to be. And the personal stories, I was in the program in the 80s where there was only, the food plan was the the God, the big power. And I became very anorexic and my company had an intervention and I left program for probably 25 years. I came back in 2001 and with God's grace, uh, the woman that became my sponsor, first of all, she was a dietitian. Second of all, she worked a step like her hair was on fire. And third, every time um, I had an issue she would ask me, where is God and all this? And I did not believe in God at that time. But if she asked me, I turned it over to something, whether it was to her or to something bigger than me. And for a very long time, it was her, it was a tree, it was whatever. But because I saw her recovery and the recovery of the people in the rooms in, in New York, I could identify in and with God's grace, because we have this big book in New York, and they used it like a, a food plan, but it's a spiritual um, plan. Thank you. So anyway, this program works, and God is great, and so are you guys. Thank you. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, that shared today. And uh, um, we're uh, 
please join us for the second unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. The share ID, somebody's unmuted. The share ID for today is 13319. Um, we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, Cindy D. please uh, read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Thank you, Craig. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.